The Inside Learning Podcast is brought to you by the Learnovate Center. Learnovate's research explores the power of learning to unlock human potential. Find out more about Learnovate's research on the science of learning and the future of work at learnovatecenter.org. Like today's guest, I'm a lecturer. For years, I've been telling the students about AI tools like one called EssayBot that would write essays for you. These tools even de-plagiarize text for you. This advice was always greeted with amusement and inevitably some student would ask, why would you tell us this? To which I would answer, because if you only use the AI to do your essay, it will be terrible because you need the human to work alongside the robot. Today, I don't need to give that advice. In fact, Students inevitably have tried AI already. The challenge today is different. I can no longer tell when they use AI. This presents a major dilemma in education. One our guest today addresses in an article he calls Generative AI and Academic Honesty. He opens that article as follows. Students using generative AI tools such as ChatGPT to cheat is a major concern among educators and educational administrators. For example, a student could use ChatGPT to generate an entire essay and hand it in as his or hers. Can AI writing be detected? And is AI writing always undesirable? Our guest is a science, STEAM, and artificial intelligence educator with a PhD in astrophysics. He is a thought leader in educational innovation and the future of learning, a perfect fit for our podcast. Antonios Karampalas, welcome to the show. Hello, Aidan, and thank you very much for having me. It is great to have you on the show. We just about missed each other. I was over in Athens and you were away on holidays at that time. So we're doing this show remotely, but I thought we'd share that part I mentioned about you. So I mentioned your background in science, STEAM, AI, and astrophysics. And what I always find so interesting is people who have these multidisciplinary backgrounds, these polymaths, come out with great thinking. And I thought we'd share a little bit of background about you to get started today. Sure. Well, I have a, I hold a bachelor in physics uh, uh, from the University of Athens here in Greece, a master's and a PhD in astrophysics from the same university. I have been uh, a postdoc researcher at the University of Athens in the Observatory of Athens, mainly contributing to the uh, European Space Agency's uh, Gaia mission, the Gaia satellite, doing data mining, machine learning, data analysis in general. Um, the, the last few years, I have switched to education. I'm currently an educator at the American Community Schools of Athens. I'm teaching uh, physics a STEAM course that includes an artificial intelligence topic. And I also teach a, a rigorous uh, summer course of artificial intelligence. Um, I'm still conducting research uh, on education and uh, writing articles in Medium mostly. And that's where we are. Let's jump into that article and the dilemma you posed, this dilemma that I opened today's show with. Because you introduce a typical relevant scenario that many, many of our audience will have encountered or may encounter in the future and may encounter without ever knowing it. You say, a teacher assigns essay work to be submitted on the course's learning management system, requesting specifically 
originality. And maybe they might even say, no generative AI allowed. A few students cheat by delivering ChatGPT's content or another tool, and the teacher passes all submissions through an AI detector. Now, the problem with that is the AI detector cannot detect when it's written by AI because of what I mentioned earlier on. There's often a de-plagiarized element to these tools. This is a huge dilemma and one that I'd love you to pose for our audience today. So, and I think that the probability of an educator, uh, either in K through 12, especially high school, or a university professor is going to uh, face in September, uh, it's very close to 100%. Um, the reason that I um, start writing this article about uh, generative AI and academic honesty was these research findings that the AI detectors do not really work. Um, there are many cases of... Um, uh, erroneously accusing students for having used AI, even though they hadn't. Um, it is true that um, if the assignment is an essay, then a, a reasoning engine like ChatGPT can generate a very good one. Um, on the other hand, there are many uh, uh, different uses of reasoning engines like ChatGPT. So a student can use ChatGPT to really deliver some that is not theirs or uh, use ChatGPT to brainstorm ideas before they begin writing their own uh, essay or to edit their final draft. So there are many, many questions here. Do It doesn't really matter if the student has used uh, a reasoning engine like ChatGPT uh, for an essay, for example. And uh, that's why I believe that it's important for the educator to communicate the expectations very clearly to the students to specify whether they uh, want them to use generative uh, AI or not. And if yes, then uh, what are the, the, the boundaries, uh, the limiting conditions for the students? And of course, modify the assignment or create a new assignment that um, is in accordance to those expectations. What I like about your writing, Antonios, is that you focus a lot on the positive aspects of this. So you don't just see the negatives in this. And you mentioned, for example, in this article that in some countries, they're actually banning the use of generative AI at all. But that thing I hinted to earlier on came from your essay where the collaboration is going to be so important in the future. That's a very good point. Uh, the students are going to be collaborating with artificial intelligence for the entire professional and social life. We already do, many of us uh, adults. So I think it's our responsibility, those of us who work in education, to, to show them how to train them, uh, to properly use um, reasoning engines like ChatGPT, to um, educate them on the uh, ethical use of uh, this technology, to uh, get them accustomed to a different mindset of human-machine collaboration. Uh, instead of uh, simple human-machine interaction. That was the only possible scenario until the previous September when the ChatGPT uh, was released, previous November, when ChatGPT was released by OpenAI. And uh, obviously banning technology is not going to, to work, definitely not for, for the long term. I think we have to approach this with a positive and growth mindset. We have a huge opportunity here to uh, go to the next level of education, and this is going to affect the entire, you know, workforce, not just education, 
who have this golden uh, chance now to go to the next level, offer better learning to our students, and uh, hopefully build those resilient and positive and hopeful and confident mindsets for them to navigate a world of opportunity, a world of abundancy, as I used to uh, uh, call it and consider it. One of the things I really like that you talk about here is that I'll give you an example, and I've talked about this on the show before. There's an artist, I love a musical artist, a guy called Oliver Arnolds, and he programmed a piano, a classical piano. He's a pianist, and he programmed one piano to be able to read MIDI signals, so digital signals. But he got a friend who was an algorithm programmer, and he programmed this algorithm to react to a note in a way that a human would never react. So, for example, he has now two pianos, and if he pressed, uh, say, for example, a C major, I, I don't know anything about music here, so I'm making this up, he, he would say, I would be trained to follow a C major with a D minor, and that would be the natural flow of how a human would conduct music. But the, the artificial intelligence brings him in an entirely different direction. And he said it's that beauty that, that then it brings the next note changes how he thinks, and then he'll go in a different direction, one that he will never have thought of before. And I, I think this is one of the real beauties of it. And one of the things you talk about is using AI and Gen AI in particular for brainstorming. That's a wonderful example. And generative AI can do uh, creative work. Uh, you know, there are those um, generative AI art um, software like Dali and Midjourney and Stable Diffusion that can create um, wonderful visuals. The example you mentioned is um, an occasion of humans using next level tools to create next level art and next level aesthetics. And um, that's a good point to make because it's not just for us to uh, just write down a, a text prompt and get another text prompt back. The um, the reach of AI is going to be large, and it's going to be multimodal. It's going to be able to recognize um, visual elements, audio, and produce those as well. Um, creative coding is something that uh, I guess it's going to emerge. There are already uh, quite many creative coders out there. Uh, using generative uh, art tools, which is not AI, by the way, or generative AI art recently. And um, I'm really looking forward to see how art is going to be shaped uh, with this technological break that we're experiencing the, uh, the last few months. Let's make it easy now for our audience. You're going into a new year. You've obviously thought about this. You've, you're teaching a course on AI. You have a polymathic background so you're a multidisciplinary author but also a thinker so how are you going to use ai in your upcoming year well thank you i have already uh, attempted to use reasoning engines like ChatGPT in the artificial intelligence course i taught the previous summer um as i did uh, among other technology courses in the high school I will have the chance to uh, talk about artificial intelligence and generative AI with my students. When it comes to assessments, I would, uh, when it comes to research, I'm going to experiment a bit more in asking students to collaborate with um, 
tools like ChatGPT or, or Bing AI uh, or Claude recently to, um, to arrive to the same understanding that we're, we're having before, but faster, hopefully, um, to talk about the ethics of AI. And uh, the technology course I'm teaching are, are suitable for that. Um, now, in general, uh, I have already been using, uh, have already used generative AI to um, create uh, assignment descriptions, um, to outline projects, and that's wonderful because ChatGPT uh, and the like can be used uh, as virtual assistants for teachers. Now, somebody can create summaries of curriculum concepts that are difficult to teach. And you can ask this machine to make it simpler so you can pass it to your students, create lecture notes, uh, create lesson plans, outline um, assignments, even give you advice about how to conduct the, uh, an experiment. So I would like very much to use ChatGPT both at the level of the, uh, the teacher's assistant and at the level of the student's assistant when it comes to learning. Let's zoom up a level then. So, so that's you approaching it from a well-educated, open-minded lecturer or teacher. But what about the system? So I mentioned, for example, you, and you mentioned in that article and some of your other articles that in some countries, for example, in the US, they're banning the use of Gen AI entirely. And one of the things I really find useful is that the Gen AI, like I said with that music example, can create, for example, artwork. And what's interesting is the artwork can actually make you think differently. It can give you some type of visual prompt to write differently or think differently. And we're missing that in, in actually uh, taking away this tool from, from education entirely. So I'd love you to share some of your thoughts from an educational system perspective. Yeah, I would say that that was a very good example. When you have an, uh, an AI, uh, let's say, artwork like um, uh, a picture, that you generated by just asking a, uh, through a text prompt, um, then there is a whole new level of looking at this image. Because if you have even some basic AI literacy, then you understand that this image uh, has uh, come out from a model that tries to associate words with uh, pixel values. And uh, the better the training data, uh, the more effective the model is. And um, if the data, the training data set improves, then you're going to get more impressive art. And this kind of computational thinking that I would call the machine learning thinking, and machine learning is the way that AI runs today, is a whole new level of looking at things. It's a whole new level of um, you know, creative thinking, critical thinking that we educators have to um, harness. Uh, because now students have the chance to um, practice with kinds of thinking that were available only to researchers until recently because of the complexity that they entail in their implementation. Now that the computational power is democratized, then we can create this impressive artwork uh, with AI so fast and they are so impressive that we have the chance to start thinking uh, more uh, deeply about how they, they come out. It's another, uh, let's say, uh, aspect of uh, visual literacy. So when I look at, a, at an artwork, how many levels of thinking and, and, and working 
can I see? It's it's the, the aesthetics and it's also also the algorithmic beauty that probably hides behind uh, this uh, result. Beautiful. So we've covered now. I'm, I'm trying to think about how to give as much value of your thinking to our audience, Antonios. So, for example, I've talked about your view through your eyes as a lecturer, then from the system perspective, the education system, but then to flip it, because one of the things you said that was really interesting is many of us are just getting to grips with digital natives. So people who are born into digital literacy, using websites, apps, etc., mobile phones. But now we have a new generation of students, which are AI literate students, these AI generation. And they have a lot to teach us about using the tools. Because, for example, I look at my kids and how they use tools like Snapchat or TikTok. I don't know how you even communicate on those tools. So they have a lot to teach us. And I wonder how you're going to harness that information from your students this year. That's a very good point, and it seems like AI natives are not going to be the same as digital natives. Um, digital natives uh, grew in an environment that was rich in um, technology, uh, mainly the internet and mobile phones, uh, using uh, Google, social media. But AI natives, which is an emerging population, and I had a chance to write a relevant article uh, recently in, in Medium, they are going to be exposed to reasoning engines like ChatGPT. So we go from um, search engines that digital natives used, well, uh, were used to use and they're still using, to uh, reasoning engines like ChatGPT that the AI natives are going to be using. They're going to be exposed to mixed realities like virtual reality um, and augmented reality. They're going to learn in a personalized manner powered by this technology. So I think that when it comes to uh, strategic thinking by academic institutions, they have to think about this very seriously because we can transform, we can um, modernize uh, the educational offerings today to better serve the digital natives that are the majority of our students today for uh, K through 12 and, and university. But we have to also take into account that a few toddlers now are going to be AI natives and we might have to completely transform uh, the way we teach simply because we're going to have tools that are going to be so powerful that students are going to be able, let's say in the high school, to create whole uh, conversational interactive models instead of just a slide presentation or a, or a handwritten essay. And uh, that's that's very interesting to, that it's happening. First of all, I think it's a it's a great time to be alive, <laughs> and uh, those who do uh, educational planning they have to take in, this into account. There are things uh, technology can do today, and things that can do tomorrow. And in a few years, we're going to have different populations inside the same school. We're going to have AI natives, uh, elementary school students. And we're going to have digital natives now, middle and high school. So that's going to be something we have to, to take care of. And I don't, of course, mean to say that um, a seven or eight year old needs to be using ChatGPT, <laughs> but just to be prepared for this kind of thing that we outlined before and to prepare for a world of opportunity and abundance of resources and tools. Beautiful. I, I love that. I, I think that's a, a very positive note to leave today's show on because, yes, there's going to be challenges, as with every tool that's out there. 
but it's going to bring, as you think as well as I do, some abundance as well, and a, and just a rewiring of how we think about work. Antonius, I've mentioned a few times about your writing. Where is the best place for people to find that? Um, I do write articles in Medium, so my Medium profile um, could be useful, uh, and my LinkedIn profile, Antonius Carampelas, for anybody who might be interested to connect. Fantastic, and I'll link to those in the show notes so you can find Antonios very easily. Reach out to him, get him on your show, reach out for keynotes, whatever it might be, or just read to learn from the man. So it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Inside Learning Podcast. Antonios Karampalas. It was a pleasure, right, and thank you very much. Inside Learning is brought to you by the Learnovate Centre in Trinity College, Dublin. Learnovate is funded by Enterprise Ireland and IDA Ireland. Visit learnovatecentre.org to find out more about our research on the science of learning and the future of work.